Well, as we prepare to gather today around the family table of the Christian church, I wanted to take this opportunity to do something a little different than I normally do during these uh, message times. Uh, if you're new to the church, uh, we usually, during this time of our service, reflect in depth on some particular piece of God's Word as it bears upon the great issues of our time or our own personal life. But today, I want to really bring it closer to home, if I may, and think with you on the theme that's already been described a bit in the musical selections we've heard this morning. Uh, we want to think together about God's vision for our own church family in the days ahead. People will ask me about that sometimes. They'll say, Dan, what, what do you see? Where do you, where do you sense our church uh, going in the days ahead? And our elders and staff have spent a lot of time thinking on that question over the last couple of years. And I want to just take that reflection mainstream today and share with you where I think we're sensing God is leading us uh, in these years to come. And uh, if I had to boil it all down to one really simple idea, our vision is to see tens of thousands of lives changed for the better by the love of Jesus Christ and to have you play a wonderful part in that before our 2015 50th anniversary celebration. In other words, we're going to be 50 years old as a church in just a few years' time. And our goal, our vision, is to see tens of thousands of lives significantly changed for the better through the love of Jesus Christ between now and then. How will that happen? And what will be your part in that is what I want to think about. Well, one of the ways that um, that kind of life change can come about is as people experience a different quality of love as they meet people in the Christian community. Most of us, I think, have got Love 101 down pretty well. We know how to love people that love us. We know how to be kind to people that are nice to us or who like us. But we find it, when we're honest with one another, extremely more challenging to love people who are difficult, who are different, who are apparently dangerous or dumb. Uh, those four categories of people are a challenge to our loving capacity. And yet, if we could manage to learn to love people the way Jesus calls us to love them, uh, remembering that Jesus called his disciples to, a, to love the way he loved, if we could learn to love people in this kind of way, it could be a life-changing uh, reality in our homes, in our workplaces, in our churches, neighborhoods, and indeed, the wider world. And so that is one of the things we're going to be exploring. Just in the next series of messages that begin in two weeks' time, we're going to think about what it really means to love people at more than the 201 uh, level. Secondly, we, we see a lot of people today um, cocooning. I think it's fair to say that the pressures of modern-day life uh, the constant uh, rustle, clatter, and pace, the, the messaging coming our way all the time, the crammed schedules of our lives, have resulted in people closing themselves down from one another uh, in a way that's perhaps unprecedented in history. We live in our hermetically sealed cars, and we go from place to place, and, we are, and our, our homes become fortresses and cocoons in themselves. 
And, and, and while this is understandable, the, the result of this is that people often shut out deep relationships with others. Uh, many people in our society have shut out God from the, from the experience of their life or shut out a community of faith even if they are interested in spiritual things. People increasingly today are closing themselves off from the people who need them or from the gifts that they could be receiving from other people. And one of our visions in these coming years is to help open some of those doors, some of those doors that have gotten shut on relationship with other people, on relationship with the church, on relationship with God. We would like to be a church that helps open wide the door for people to experience deeper kinds uh, of life-changing relationships. And if we can do that together, we're going to see God transform life. Uh, You're going to have a chance to see people coming to Christ. You're going to have a share in seeing people's family life renewed. Uh, And this is one of our ambitions for these years to come. And then there are the people all of us know, and and in fact some of us are, who have simply gotten stuck in life. Uh, We've gotten stuck in in our spiritual growth or our relational growth perhaps. Um, We keep making the same mistakes over and over again. We just find ourselves sometimes like the character in in Bill Murray's uh, movie Groundhog Day. We can't believe we're here again. The same dynamic is happening in our marriage again. The same uh, loop is is going on in this next job that we're taking as we experienced in that last job. We seem to have the same kind of results when we try and and build friendships or when we try and make progress in life. Our relationships just are not what we want them to be or they seem very thin at times or in some cases they're very broken. And so some of us live with this restlessness inside. There's an anxiety that hasn't changed over the years. It's just still there. We're still anxious about a lot of life. Or we feel angry about a lot of things. Or we feel scared, fearful. The bottom's going to drop out uh, of our lives. And, and even if we've been around church for a very, very long time, uh, we wonder secretly why we don't feel more of this peace that, that Christians talk about. Uh, we wonder why it hasn't altered for us. Why, after all these years, we don't feel closer to God? Or why our character doesn't seem to be more like Jesus' character? It, it just does not have to stay this way. I think that's one of the messages we want to sow to the world. It doesn't have to stay this way. God has provided practical means for growing in Christ's likeness, which he will powerfully use if we will engage them personally uh, and perseveringly. And, and, and so if, if we will go after some of those means together in a deeper way, we're going to see God changing our own souls and our own quality of relationships in the way that we really long for him to. And so one of the great calls of the days ahead is going to be for you to take a further step in your Christian growth and for me to take a further step to bring about the life change that God longs to see in my soul and my relationship and yours and the people that we can influence. That's a a third major emphasis. Loving people, opening doors to God and the church and relationship and growing health in a deeper measure in in our spiritual and relational lives. These are our three big goals. In his book, The Church of Irresistible Influence, a wonderful pastor from uh, Arkansas by the name of Robert Lewis uh, 
challenges churches to imagine or to assess the extent to which they are making an impact on the communities around about them. Uh, many of us have great busy churches, he says, but, but are we confident that we are making a life-changing impact on the communities round about us. If, there, if suddenly a great sinkhole opened up here at the corner of 31st and York Street at prime time on a weekend, and suddenly this entire church building and everybody that came to it was swallowed in the sinkhole, would we be missed by the communities round about us? Would there be towns and villages and local organizations that would hang black crepe, that would put the flags at half-mast because they were mourning the loss of the most significant servant leaders that they knew in their communities? Would, would our church be missed if we were suddenly removed from the environment of our communities? As a church, we've had remarkable impact uh, overseas. I think it's fair to say that, that um, we have had an unusual, for a church of our, even for our size, we've had a, a, a very large impact on planting churches, on developing leaders, on healthcare ministries, and educational ministries, and all kinds of life-changing work overseas. This very morning, 70 of our folks are running in the Chicago Marathon uh, as part of the World Team World Vision, and they'll raise close to $100,000 that will go towards... Uh, uh, mosquito abatement and clean water wells in the little community of Naman Javara in Mozambique. And over the last couple of years, we've, we've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars to change the quality of life in that little community. Uh, and that's just one of the things we've done globally. What if we could have the same kind of impact locally? What if we could go into some of the under-resourced neighborhoods, and they're, they're there, and, and in a systematic way, invest in them relationally and with other resources to raise educational levels and, and job outcomes and, and, and family coherence. What if we could have a life-changing impact locally? We have identified now a community right around the corner from us that's terribly under-resourced. And one of the things we're going to start to do this next year is to penetrate that community and to invite you to play a part in bringing about that kind of dramatic life change right there. We could partner with other churches and touch communities all over our region. Let's go after that impact together. What do you say? You know what? It's going to be hard. That's good. There's life in the building. <laughs> we're going we're to um, find it very hard to do all of these marvelous things that I'm describing, however, uh, without a further change. Uh, I know m many of us are, are watching um, the great cultural and political struggles of our time. We've been reflecting on this these past several weeks uh, because we, we are desperate to see um, the, the visionary, um, virtuous, uh, dependable leadership uh, that our nation needs in its state governments and its federal governments and everywhere else. I'm just here to say to you this morning that we need that kind of leadership right here at Christ Church as well. We've been blessed with incredible servant leaders here throughout the years. Uh, people who have started ministries, who even now are out there serving with our children and leading ministries of, of education in other parts of the building and championing some of our mission initiatives elsewhere. 
But, but as, as a pastor of the church, having been here 15 years, I will tell you that I think we've gone just about as far as we can with the existing leader pool. And that in order for us to love people and to open doors and to grow health and to serve needs at that higher level that we're imagining that could impact thousands, tens of thousands of lives, we need a whole new wave of leaders to join the effort, to get out of the spectator seat and onto the playing field And so one of the great themes of this next year will be to outline for you what the on-ramps are for you to get involved in the multiplying of leaders uh, here at Christ Church and then beyond. I think that if even half of us said yes to the call to step into leadership in some way, the impact would be transformative uh, in our church and through our church. So when I dream of our future, these really are the great themes uh, that come to mind. And it's not just my dream. This is the dream that our entire elder board and staff have been prayerfully uh, clarifying over these past uh, months. Uh, These are the major themes that we're going to be exploring week in and week out throughout this coming year. We're going to jump into a Love People series, as I said, uh, week after next. And then beyond that, we're going to talk through the Advent season about opening doors and we'll enter into the new year and think about how we grow health and we'll move into the Lenten season and think about serving needs and then beyond the Lenten season we'll talk about leadership and what that really involves. And I hope that as we think together about these very important biblical visions and values we're going to recognize that these themes are closely tied to two important things Jesus said. All of this really springs out of two basic invitations issued to us by Jesus himself. In John chapter 10 and verse 10, Christ said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I have come to give people life and an even more abundant form of it than they currently have. In other words, Whatever the condition of your life is, whatever the condition of your family, your soul is right now, I can change it for the better. I can bring forth an even greater abundance uh, in that place if you open yourself to me. And then secondly, Jesus says, as the Father has sent me to do this, to bring about this life change, so I am sending you. So I'm sending you to be life changers. In other words, don't be a hoarder of my grace and truth. How many of you have watched Hoarders? You've seen it on TV. Don't just accumulate all this knowledge and all of this grace for yourself. Don't think that what we're going to take in right here is meant to just stay with us. But personally engage in the process of trying to share that grace and truth with people that are not here today, but who need that grace and truth every bit as much as you do. What if, by the time we reach our church's 50th anniversary in 2015, we could see tens of thousands of lives changed for the better by the love of Jesus Christ? And if you and I could personally be a wonderful part of that life change? It's possible. We can do this together. Here's your part. In the coming months, as we outline what it really looks like to love people, to open doors, to grow health, to serve needs, to multiply leaders, there are going to be specific action steps outlined. Do them. Uh, Do them. 
make a personal commitment to take some of those practical steps yourself and be part of this movement uh, in a very personal way. And get personally engaged with life change for yourself. And, and get personally engaged in extending that opportunity for life change to at least two other people in this next year beyond this church building. Uh, maybe it's somebody in your neighborhood or your workplace or your extended family or your social circle. Maybe it's somebody in another part of the world that you'll impact through your mission giving and your serving. But get involved in life change for you plus two other people. I did the math on this recently. I, I ran the numbers. By my calculation, there are about an average of 3,500 people or so who are here in any given month. And that's probably a very conservative number. There are at least 3,500 people that call Christ Church their home enough to show up here in any given month at least once. If every one of those 3,500 people got personally engaged with life change, some new step of investment for themselves and sought to extend it to just two other people in the next year, by the time we gathered on this weekend next year, we would have reached 10,000 people. We would allow it helped 10,000 people experience some measure of Christ's power for life change. And by the time of our, our 50th anniversary in just a few years' time, it would be tens of thousands of people whose lives have been changed for the better by the life-changing love of Jesus Christ, and you would have had a very major part in bringing about that outcome. How does that sound? Isn't that something? Isn't that an exciting opportunity for us? I want to encourage you to prayerfully commit yourself today as you come to this table to being part of that movement and we promise as a church staff and as the other leaders of the church to try and provide the practical helps and on-ramps and systems and all the rest that can help that. But nothing will be a substitute for that personal engagement, that commitment that you make. You know, some years ago, a, a friend of mine pastored a church in the very she-she, beautiful uh, Fifth Avenue district of Manhattan. And uh, he pastored a congregation that was extraordinarily affluent, uh, but he made a habit every single month of going to the church's soup kitchen to serve alongside of others there in ministering to the homeless that would come for their meals. At each of those gatherings, uh, my friend Tom would uh, serve communion afterwards to any of the homeless folks that stayed behind. And on one particular day, as he was going uh, along the line uh, with the cup and the bread, serving each of the people, he came to a man who looked particularly disheveled. He had that look of despair that said the life on the streets had just about done him in, just about finished his capacity for hope. And as he came up to this man, the man just looked up and said, skip me, and then he dropped his head. And, and Tom said, excuse me? And the man said again, skip me, and dropped his head. And Tom sort of bent down so he could look the man eye to eye, and he said, why? Why do you want me to skip you? And the man said, I'm not worthy. I, I'm not worthy. And Tom looked at him and said, neither am I. Neither am I. I tell you what, he said, Tom did. I'm going to serve you communion now. And then you 
are going to serve me. And the man looked at him with amazement in his face, and he said, Father, is that legal? (laughs) And Tom said, yes, it's legal. And it's beautiful, and it's exactly what we're going to do. What's your name, he said. And the man said, Josh. And then Tom took the elements, and he extended them out towards the homeless man. And he said, Josh, this is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ given for you. This is a reminder that Christ came for you. Christ died for you. Jesus is for you. And the homeless man blinked back the tears and he took the elements. Then Tom stooped down, knelt down, and passed the elements to Josh's hands. And, and Josh looked panicked for a moment, his eyes furtively glancing around, expecting the CIA or the police or the FBI or the Pope to come in and stop this whole proceeding. But when nothing happened, he looked Tom in the face and he said, Father, body, blood, Jesus, for you. This is the ancient truth of which we are the keepers and around which we, along with millions of believers across the globe, come to this place today to celebrate, to receive for ourselves, and to pass on. We come today declaring the awesome reality that amidst a complex and cluttered world, there is still a power for life change at work. That the grace of God is real, as real as flesh and blood. And that this God, Jesus, is for you and for you and for you and for the ones that he will reach through you. As you come to this table today, receive that grace for yourself. Take in the glorious truth of his commitment to you. And having been fed here in this place, take that grace out to this world, remembering It is not just for you, but for at least two who will be reached through you. Would you pray with me? Our gracious God, with gratitude in our hearts for the abundance of the life you offer, with hope in our hearts for the way that you will use us in days ahead to bring that abundant life to a few people more, Grant us, Lord God, the glory of finding you, finding us here at this sacramental table. And may you so fill us that we are able to go forth and feed others in the name of Jesus, for for whose sake we pray. Amen.